welcome in. Thanks for joining us once again on the Red Rock Sports Podcast. It is Tuesday, March 1st, the best month of the year. And it feels like a beautiful spring afternoon out there today. I am joined, as always, by Connor Holzkamp and Nick Sopris. And I am your host, Jared All. Uh, rumor has it, guys, that uh, one Tyler Walgy is sneaking around the studio. I have uh, sent out uh, somebody to track him down and get his ass in here because <laughs> I want to talk some abs today. And we all know we need to get Tyler in here if we want to do that. So we will try to get to that. We're going to find a, a time to sneak that in. I know Tyler's just kind of stopping through the studio today. So uh, just for everyone listening out there, we may interrupt a topic to bring Tyler in. We'll get back to it. Uh, but definitely got to touch on the abs they've been playing really well and it's something we need to discuss a little bit but uh uh first as always as as we begin going here we're, we're gonna get going on uh this week in sports history but before we do that guys we came up with this great topic i think it's fun it was actually connor's idea we freaking blew it we blew it last week we missed a big one what do we miss uh february 22nd 2011 the mellow deal to, to the Knicks. Happened. Oh, you're still sad about that? I oh. can't believe we missed that. That was oh, like no, one no, of the no. bigger. No, 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 no. Didn't miss it. I intentionally refused to remember that day. Yeah. Wait, uh-huh. in what sense though, Connor? Because you're <laughs> upset still that we traded I, I, mellow? I, I was a big mellow fan. I was upset on that day. That was, a, that was an upsetting day in Connor's history. But but so, like you can look back this, yeah, 11, 11 years ago you can look back and that's a, it was a good thing. Nah, I everything refuse. was great. Uh uh-uh. uh I mean I didn't realize this but actually the Jamal Murray pick was a part of that. Was it? At least in the thing I saw. I don't know. This is this is coming from Twitter, yeah, yeah, who's never wrong. Twitter is never wrong, right? Uh, no, never, never. Of course, especially when you get medical advice on Twitter. Yes, <laughs> that, that's that's the way to go. I'm sorry. I'm kidding for everyone out there. Don't um, sue us. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think that, that that pick was part of it. Maybe, though. I don't know. The Nuggets were so good, not me, great. I don't know. Let me just tell you the thing that I hey, saw. The trade sucks. I, I took a picture of it. So um, the Nuggets got, obviously, Danilo Gallinari, Wilson Chandler, Timofey Mozgov, Raymond Felton, which did yeah. he ever play for the Nuggets? Yeah, he know. definitely yeah, did. He for sure did. Okay. okay. Yeah. And then we got 2011 second round pick, nobody. 2013 second round pick, nobody. 2014 first round pick, Dario Saric. 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 Yeah, he's nice. Yeah, again, don't even he's remember right. him playing know. for the Nuggets. Um, it's fine. 2016, Jamal Murray. So I, I don't know. This is, this is a Twitterverse telling me that it's that all happened. hearsay allegations rumor anyways it was a huge thing so that's my contribution this is last week in sports history that that i felt it it was necessary to bring up so connor what do you have for us this week on sports history this week on sports history we have quite quite the week oh god oh yeah i I was trying to find something on leap year couldn't do it so uh we're gonna skip leap year as is the case with the real year uh so this week in sports history, on February 28th, oh, I'm sorry. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. wow. So Here engaging. we go. Here we go. Here we go. All right. <laughs> Tell me <We're> more. <laughs> February 28th, 1967, Wilt Chamberlain sinks an NBA record 35th consecutive field goal. That is a record that stands today. Lame. You're lame. Lame record. Let me see. You make 35 consecutive field goals, all right? I definitely could. I don't think from I that, made. From that range? Yeah, definitely I don't could. know if I made 35 field goals in my entire Lifetime. basketball career. <laughs> yeah, that's good. All right, all right. How about this one? Uh, also on the 28th in 1947, Cleveland Indians 
set up training camp in racially tolerant Phoenix, Arizona, in anticipation of signing the team's first black players. And Larry Doby is the first acquisition later in that season. Now, Larry Doby, you, you guys know who Larry Doby is? See, you mentioned him to me before the show. I, I, I don't. I have to honestly say, I don't Do, even know the name. Doesn't get doesn't enough credit. The name. He is the second player to break the color barrier in, in Major League Baseball. Of course, everyone knows Jackie Robinson. He is the first in the American League, uh, and he helped him win a couple championships. So, Real quick, though, before we pass off on that one, anyone else pick up on the irony there that the Cleveland Indians were the ones <laughs> that went to Arizona to break the racial barrier. I, I don't know. There's some sort of irony there. And they finally, however many years later, 100 years later, whatever, changed their name to now the Guardians, which I just, I picture Guardians of the Galaxy every time I hear yeah, the I name. I like it. I like it. All right. So let's go. Uh, the f- We're moving on to March now. March 1st. No, no good leap year ones. Huh? I was kind of hoping nah, leap, no, leap no. day. Is it called leap day? Leap day. Leap, leap day. day. Yeah. February 29th no. for short. No leap day. So March 1st, 1977. Nickel like this one. PGA of America announces a sudden death Amazing. playoff format. To the death. For the PGA championship to be implemented previously before 1977. It was an 18-hole playoff. Oh, see, I wish they would have kept it the old way. I kind of said that. I like <laughs> yeah, the same thing. Obviously, but, it makes but more sense. Did you watch the Olympics two years ago when it went to the sudden death? That no. was, man, oh, it was thrilling. So no. I will say it, sudden death in, in golf is similar to me, like how college football uh, overtime yeah, is. It, man, you just, sudden death, I can watch golf. It's good. I like the sudden death. Just There's a hole, lot of things that hole. Connor would rather watch over golf <laughs> here nor there, but maybe a, sudden, maybe a sudden death would make it a little bit... Uh, uh, all right. A little bit more enjoyable. All right, all right, moving on. We got a few more to get here. So March 1st, 1993, a new NHL expansion team owned in Anaheim, California by Disney receives its name inspired by the 1992 Disney movie, The Mighty Ducks. Oh. I always thought it was the other way around. I always thought the movie came out because of the new team. Right. I, I never yeah. realized, which I guess there would have been some copyright things going on. That's probably why they were able to get, you know use the name yeah, but I, I never knew either the 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 ducks came from why the actual movie they, they so. should have gone with the jerseys the og jerseys from the original mighty ducks movie oh, that, that would like have been so much oh my god yeah. so much better all right all right here we go Mo- those, jerseys, on. those jerseys are underrated by the way they are they're yeah. they're very underrated so march 2nd 1962 philadelphia center wilt chamberlain scores a hundred points most ever by an nba player the the famous 100 point game 101 points by the way Wow, there you go. March March 2nd. Uh, so that's 1962. March 2nd, 2004, Indianapolis Colts oh, wow. signed quarterback Peyton Manning oh, wow. to a record-breaking seven-year, $98 million deal. That's like significantly less than Brock Osweiler the, got. The, record, <laughs> the record-breaking $14 million a year. $14 million a year. Like, that's amazing. How crazy how much. That was 2004, so we're talking what? Don't make me do math. 18 years ago? <laughs> and inflation, that's like wow. a $900 million contract now. It's pretty wild. Speaking of contracts, March 4th, 1927, Whoa. Babe Ruth becomes the highest paid player in MLB history when he signs a three-year, $70,000 per year contract. Amazing. Think you, about that. I mean, that's a that lot. Was, that was the Yankees, or, the Yankees or the Red Sox that signed him to that? It was the New York Yankees. So you think the Yankees regretted that two years later after the stock when, market when the crashed, stock market and crashed. Then the whole world just what year was that? Twenty seven. <laughs> yeah, nineteen twenty seven. Which, uh, of course, the stock market crashed and what, Jared? Nineteen twenty nine. Twenty nine. Yeah. All right, there we go. So it's the equivalent in purchasing power to about one point one million dollars today. 
Wow. That's still That's not, still that not that much. Yeah. yeah. Wow. He was underpaid. Yeah. Mm. Riot. Underpaid. All right. I've got a couple more for you. Just a couple more. We're going to move on. Only if it's five more. <laughs> it is three Don't more. tempt him. He will. <laughs> I know, he I will. Know. I know. All right. So we got March 5th, 1993. Boston Celtic Larry Bird undergoes back fusion surgery. Whoa. Hey. Maybe good omen for MPJ? I don't know. Yeah, but he uh, hasn't had fusion. Don't go there, Connor. Okay. <laughs> Fusion's fusion. bad news. Okay. Fusion not, means you have metal different. in your back. Same, not a same good thing. but different. Yeah, it's different. yeah not okay. a good thing. But also not the same. All right. Uh, then we got March 6th, 1967. Muhammad Ali is ordered by selective service to be inducted. And he obviously refused. And went, You mean went drafted, him. not inducted? I believe... I, is there a difference? Is there, yeah. Am I using... it? Is, is one word incorrect? Inducted would imply that... Are you sure about that, Nick? It seems like a positive spin on yeah, it. Yeah, right? definitely. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I got like inducted it's like an, into it's like the an army. That you get. <laughs> but I, think, I think that's what they called it, but I could be wrong. I could mm-hmm. be wrong. I don't know. Hey, maybe our Twitter minions out there can, f- can fact it. Yes. Yeah. Us, right? We know that Twitter loves <laughs> to make corrections. All right, I got one more for you guys, and then we're going to end uh, this, this week in sports history. March 6th, 2000. Longtime Boston Bruin defenseman Ray Bork is traded to the Colorado Ray. Abs. And the rest, as they say, is history. Abs go on to win a Stanley Cup. And uh speaking of abs, I think we I think we just uh Yeah, what a what a transition. I know, right? Job, Connor, right? We're we're gonna hey. we're gonna take this opportunity to bring in friend of the show and friend to all Tyler Walgie, our resident hockey expert. How are you doing, Tyler? Easy on the Oh, 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 he's, he's oh, 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 producer Nick. Friend to all is muted. Okay. I I did kind of spur this on everyone last moment, so we're we're just trying to hook up our fourth mic here. Are we good and here? We're, hey, hey, we're, we're in. We're live. And you we're know how much alive. of a pro Tyler's? Tyler's doesn't even have the headphones Co- in. He's not listening that, to anything. He just, no. he just knows. He's just a pro. You know, I wanted to come talk some, <clears throat> talk some abs, and, uh, you know, n- n- producer Nick has my mic muted. Yeah. I come in here. It's, you know, it's 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 chaos. What's going on, guys? How you doing? Oh, it's good. It's good. You know, we've, we've had a good, uh, good flow, good energy. Now, I came by halfway. I'm walking through the studio halfway through the show and i hear you guys talking about fusion now what was the whole fusion talk i believe it's a soft drink Mm, brutal. Uh, uh, brutal. I'm, I'm talking like uh, a fusion cuisine, you know? You ever that go to those is what places? I'm into. Yeah. Have you guys watched Next Level Chef? Yes. Uh, do you like I that lo- show? I love cooking okay. shows. So, so. I, I'm super into Next Level Chef. It's the new Gordon Ramsay show. And a couple episodes ago, they had a fusion episode. And what a fusion is, apparently, I didn't know this, where you mix like two cuisines together, like Italian and Chinese or something like that, mm. right? Now, That's that'd a, be a pretty extreme. Fusion. I don't know if anyone's going <laughs> that'd be a weird one. But I think I'm going to start trying to do, call do some that a, fusion dishes. Do you call that a Chitalian? Uh, oh, just brutal, man. Yeah, yeah. He's here all week, folks. <laughs> I know. Yeah, tip your waitress. It's I mean, funny to watch you can't him fall force over. Me to leave. Yeah, but okay. uh, anyway. Well, anyways, Tyler, we know you're a busy guy. We appreciate you sitting down for a few minutes here. I'm sure this is exactly what you showed up to the studio to do, right? Just to, yeah. just sit in on another podcast. Yeah. You don't do enough of those. I mean, I could do um, my impressions. I could no, do no, no, no. no. no but while we have you, I do want to. <laughs> I do want you to point out, and you always have to remind me. Throw out everyone there. Your show that you're doing. Uh, the, the Sports Betting Daily show? Yeah, Sports Betting Daily. Every single day, wherever you're listening to this show, uh, just type in Sports Betting Daily or Woos Media and uh, it'll pop right up. So, 
Perfect. Yeah, awesome. it's, it's a sports betting show. Yeah, so. and, and that's one that comes out every day. Most of the Woos Media shows come out weekly yep. or, or periodically. That's one of the few that comes out daily. It's a great topic. If you guys uh, are, are new into the sports betting scene, I've learned a lot from Tyler. I wish I listened to him more often, but I've learned yeah, a lot from for, Tyler on that show. Why don't you listen more often, first of all? Because I'm stubborn. <laughs> Have you met me but before? Have no, you met no. me? Well, one thing I do like about uh, where that show's gone is... You know, it's obviously I do it for a living, um, but sports mo- betting that is sports betting. Yes, thanks, Connor. But a lot of the audience, you know, they're they have other jobs. They like to spend, you know, twenty, fifty bucks a weekend on some games. So that's who I'm talking to a lot of the time is educating how to approach it better, how to approach it a little smarter, and uh, that's really what the show is about. We give picks out on the weekends, but uh, you know, it's not just for the hardcore sports bettors. It's for anyone out there who likes to make a bet. So there you go. All right, again, that is sports betting daily, part of the Woos Media Podcast Network. Uh, we got Tyler on here though to talk some apps, and the mainly kind of topic, guys, I wanted to bring up is it seems like everyone is getting on the bandwagon uh, locally, nationally. Everybody right now, the abs are everyone's darling. And, and and justifiably so. They're sitting at 82 points through 53 games. That's number one in the NHL. Uh, and and uh, you know Vegas has them as the odds on favor. DraftKings Sportsbook has abs at plus 400 which is, to, to, win to, win the, to win the Stanley <laughs> oh, wow. Cup, which is best in the NHL right now. What's next? Do you know what the second team is? Off uh, actually, it wasn't too far off. Uh, somebody was at plus 500, maybe Florida? Yeah, yeah, probably, probably Florida, plus, yeah. plus 500. And then it drastically drops yeah. off from there. You get to the plus 800, plus 1200s uh, uh, going from there. So, you know, I'm sitting here and I am admittedly a a, a, a fairly casual fan. I don't watch a ton of the games. I, I, I watched it a ton back in the day. Uh, but as I'm sitting here, man, looking at the last, even, I mean, you can look at the last decade. And I feel like I've seen this story before. And, and I'm just going to reference a few seasons, okay? You look back at last season, Avalanche finish, number one in the NHL, win the President's Trophy, they lose in the second round of the playoffs, okay? 2019-20 season, this was the COVID-shortened season. They tied for third in the NHL in the regular season in, in overall winning percentage. They didn't do the points that year. Um, but they were only like two wins out of having the best record in the NHL. Lost in the second round. 2013-14 season, so going back almost a decade now, number one team in the NHL, odds on favorite to win the Stanley Cup, lost in the first round of the playoffs. This is basically every time the Avs have been in this position, they've choked it in the playoffs. What about this team is any different? Why should I feel like this team has any better shot? Frankly, I kind of feel like this is a, you got to prove it to me before I'm going to believe it situation. Well, uh, look, if I'm going to defend the Avs here, which I actually, you know, I'm going to play that part because you're asking me, you know, why to believe them. Uh, But this is what I think as well. This isn't just playing on the part of the Avs. This is what I believe. The coaching staff has gotten a lot better, and Jared Bednar has learned from his mistakes. Now, keep in mind, Jared Bednar is not some seasoned head coach. I think he was coaching the AHL team up until like 2016 when he got hired. So he's learning how to manage the team, and he's learning how to go through the regular season. He... he, Kind of got, you know, gifted a very good team to, from the get-go. Kind of like Steve Kerr, right? The argument in the, in the NBA is like, how good a coach really is Steve Kerr? And you can make an argument that he's one of the best coaches of all time based on his record and his, in his you know, a few games. Or you can make an argument that he's been carried by Steph Curry in, in, the, in the roster. Same thing with Jared Bednar, right? It's, it's a, the exact same argument. 
and minus the championships minus the championships a hundred percent right and, and, and that's where we're getting to is is this team different um i think this team is the same that we've seen they're just as good as the other teams but it's it's jared bedner that's doing different things now to point something out tangibly he's doing different he's mixing lines up like he's never done before this early you could say in the season now there's 30 games left but typically you don't see with 25 30 games left the 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 coach mixing up lines you know putting Burkowski in the first line and then he's showing up in the third line the next game I mean it's just really I think promising what Jared Bender's done getting ready for all the what-ifs because let's face it the Avs in terms of injuries and readiness and health and availability are not one of the best teams in the NHL they get hurt a lot they've I mean Nathan McKinnon didn't it seems like every top six forward had COVID at one point this year. So, you know, I, I just think that at this point in the season, it's about Jared Bednar learning how to mix the lines up in case McKinnon goes out, in case Randon's not ready, in case Burkowski or Kadri or whoever goes out or isn't, isn't ready to go. The Avs seem to me more primed for any scenario than any other year. So... My biggest knock on the Avalanche, and in, in you know this goes back to the last few years, really since this core of a team has been put together, is their finesse. Their finesse. Right. Why you know that's what kills them when they get to the playoffs. It's not all about the scoring and how how dominant their top two lines can be. Can this team defend and play the physical game that it takes to win in a seven game series? Well, I mean, I don't know because they're really not playing super physical right now. I mean, they're playing how they've played in a large part the last couple of years. I mean, it's funny because, you know, you hear Joe Sackick and, 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 and the coaching staff and others in the offseason and even leading up, you know, the first couple of months saying they want to play a different way. But when it comes down to it, it's just hard over 82 games to play that different and that much of a different style. So um, overall, um, I think that when they have to flip that switch – what, what it's going to take for the Avs to win is they're going to need to flip that switch halfway. You know, it's like a dimmer, right? You, know, you, you have any dimmers in your house? I, we have them around the studio. They're nice. <laughs> yeah, we got them somewhere. I, I like dimmers, you know? No, but, I don't, I'm not rich like that, Tyler. <laughs> but that's what it's going to take. You know, the Avs don't need to go 100% physical and start, you know, fighting right. and hitting everybody and leading in hits and everything like that. By the way... The Avs are not this whole get the ball, be... be the ball? Or the ball. Get the, no, get no, the, the puck, ball. Get the ball. Sorry. Sorry. Get, That's my contribution to this conversation. Right. Get the yeah. puck, control it, go up ice. <laughs> you know, the Avs actually are, I think they're dead last, if not second to last in face-off percentage. Like the Avs are that, not a that, great face That has team. been a trend over the last few years with this Avs They just don't it, care. They don't need to win yeah. face-offs. It's, 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 they're so good at everything else. They kind of sacrifice that. So, you know, the Avs are a bit of a different team than, like you said, and like a lot of the audience probably thinks, you know, uh, but they're still super dominant. I mean, last time I came on here, I think they were number two in my power rankings. They're the clear number one at this point. And as long as they stay healthy, which is a big deal. And if Bo Byram comes back, he's on track to hopefully be back before the playoffs start. Yeah, that's an interesting situation with him. He's a uh, uh, concussion, correct? Isn't that, isn't that well, why Well, that's what led to it. And they say personal reasons. And then now it's kind of an interesting thing. I mean, with, with not... a, Look, with a young player like that, mm-hmm. you always want to err on the side of caution. And it's not like the Avs need him. Right. I mean, I think he has, I don't remember off the top of my head, he's got a decent amount of points in the games he's played. I think he has 11 points in 18 games or something like that. But... I mean, he's produced when he's played, and he's a good defender, but that's what the Avs need is those 
defenders or those guys who can play defense. I mean, Kel McCarr is a rare breed who can score. I mean, he could score 30 goals this year. Um, who's on, you know, he, he contributes offensively, things like that. What the Avs really, you know, need is for all these guys on defense to step up defensively as we near the uh, playoffs. But and, they, look, and they've been a pretty good defensive team, haven't they? Well, for sure. But but that's the thing is, you know, in these other years too, part of getting the President's Trophy and that is the good defense. You know, it's not just right, we're not winning right. every game 6-5, but, you know, we're not the only ones who see this. You know, they understand this. Jared Bednar is hungry for a trophy and he's got, I think, an inside track this year because the West is a little weak, in my opinion, and based on the ratings and, you know, the, this... Seems like I say it every year, but this is the year the Avs really, really have that shot to break through. The, the odds say so, and this may be the best Avs team combined with the experience and the coaching staff that we've seen ever. Now, I like from, from watching the, the Avs recently, I like recently what I've seen out of the Avs goaltending. Do you concur there? Tyler Walgy. What what do you Concur. see? What do you see? That's a good word. What do you Concur. see from from Kemper uh, that's allowing him to be more successful than he was earlier in the season, where he kind of went through a little bit of a. So what, what do you attribute that to? If you had to guess, I mean, it's so hard to tell. Again, with goalies, it's so difficult. They're it's so the dependent. hardest hardest position in sports to quantify what they do and really evaluate on an individual basis. Because I mean, with Tom Brady, if you put him on any team, they're going to improve a certain amount, right? Mm hmm. In baseball, if anyone gets the best pitcher in baseball right now, uh, whoever that is, uh, they're going to improve a certain level. Goalies don't work that way. If you're the best goalie and you win the Vesna Trophy and you go next year to the worst team in hockey, your stats are going to suffer. So goalies are real tough to evaluate on an uh, individual level. But Darcy Kemper, since he's come back from his injury in early December, I think December 8th, he's number one in the NHL in uh, GSAA. Uh, goals saved... Um, against average and uh i believe that's what it stands for anyway it's a advanced stat pretty much it, it, what it stands for is if there's a the average goalie replaced that goalie how many more or let more or less goals would they have given up kind of kind of like the same idea of like wins above replacement in baseball. yeah exactly it's, it's like war in baseball it's like it, yeah okay and uh, darcy kemper's number one in the nhl for goalies since he came back in early december and think about it, that's early december that's a long time ago yeah. Uh, he's number one in wins. He's number one in shutouts. He's uh, sixth in save percentage. So, you know, Darcy Kemper is playing really, really well, despite the negative articles I've read. You know, it's funny. I think that a lot of the articles and these these comments come from people who, and you don't. I don't want to diminish because I think you know more people should watch hockey, and I hate to patronize these people who do this for a living but a lot of these articles i read i'm like right, or do you even keep hockey watch the you know or do you even understand what a good goalie should look like because again number one in gsaa you know top five and all those other stats i read he's not only only performing in terms of wins 17 tied for first since he came back from injury but in the advanced stats as well so i don't know what anyone's looking for in terms of wanting more from this guy he's done everything he can do and, I mean, right now, as long as Franceau, I think, is the normal backup at this point, as long as he can fill in, play decently into the playoffs, and Kemper stays healthy, you know, this he's playing really well right now. Well, I think it's safe to say if the Avs are going to be hoisting a Stanley Cup uh, this season, it's going to be because Darcy Kemper had a great playoffs. Darcy Kemper, the defense, and, you know, I mean, look, I've said it before, but the most important thing to me when it comes playoff time is the forwards – 
playing defense. I want to see McKinnon getting more physical than he normally does. I want to see Ranton getting back and playing defense. Like that's why these defensive teams. It's funny. People think it's some magic formula to the oh great defensive team. Look how they play defense. It's like no. What happens is they have two one or two forwards committing to come back and play defense when the play starts to break down. Like that's the only difference. And the Avs don't really need to do that right now, but in the playoffs they will. So that's what I'm looking for. Like I don't need Darcy Kemper to have a great play. To be honest, like that's not what I'm looking for. I don't need even this defense to have an amazing playoffs. I need to see these forwards playing two ways and getting physical. That to me is the most important thing. But you're painting yourself a buyer. I'm buying, baby. You're Let's buying. go. You're buying. <laughs> I'm buying. All right. I'm I'm skeptical. I'm not gonna lie. I am. I'm there. I'm gonna be rooting hard. But what's the boy who cried wolf? Everyone's skeptical now. I mean, the yeah. ads have been so good for so long. They've never done it. So yeah. I don't blame you for being skeptical. I, but. I, I think uh, you, you brought up some fair points, and uh, I, I do take one something that you said. You might have actually said it before the show, rather than here. You were talking about are the ads peaking too early. And I just, I want to push back on that a little bit. I don't really believe in that concept. So, I don't believe so where, that like you, you suddenly there's too early of a time to like peak implying that you're going to play and worse. Maybe that's a, a poor word choice. That's actually how I wrote it on the, the outline, by the way, that has not been said. That was just how I had it written on the outline. What I mean by that is, is, is there focus on, cause I, I think, I think there's two different approaches, right? And I'll use like the San Antonio Spurs as an example where the Spurs have never, back back when they had Tim Duncan, I've, I'm realizing now this is like 15 years ago, but you guys know what I'm talking about. They never focused on the wins in the regular season or what seed they ended up at. Get yourself in the playoffs, be healthy, be ready to go, and your focus then is on the success and, in the and playoffs. And maybe for the younger audience, like the current LeBron or the more recent LeBron teams who yeah, got three, four, five go. seeds. There you go. And, and, and that's where I think so often the Avs, it seems like year over year, their focus is on being the best regular well, season team no, look, winning no, as no, many no. games as you can and and I would I would argue that I'd like to see them over the course of the last 30 games of the season doing exactly what Tyler's calling for let's see you prove let's see you prove to yourselves and 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 figure out work through how does this forward group play defense better how do we need to play on the playoffs win even if that's not winning you all the games even if that doesn't get you the president's trophy well, you're better suited for the playoffs okay. as a result i've got a couple objections here because i don't want to see the abs do that strangely in the regular season because when the abs do that they're going to show their hand for how they're going to okay. play that way okay and so just from a strategic point of view you can play a 1-3-1, a 2-2-1. You can play all different styles to stop that. And so I think the Avs need to work on it in practice vigorously and save that for the playoffs. You want that to be... It takes a long time to solve that. In a seven-game series, if you're mixing it up, you show a game two, game three, that's what the Avs need. That element of surprise. So I don't love that. And to your first point, the Avs are just a really good team. I mean... I'm not going to fault them for winning games. Right, right. That's that's kind of where I was coming from. Yeah. I'm like, it, this whole peaking early argument, I just don't get it. Like, if you're going to win games, you're going to win games. It doesn't inherently mean you're just due for like it's, a regression. It's just more of a mindset that I don't know that the Avs have. The, the Avs have a mindset that they want to win the most games out of any team. That doesn't matter when it comes to the playoffs, how many games you want. Sure, you have home ice advantage, but the key is having the best built team, the most structured team to go win a championship. We see that in all sports. We see that in every sport, but I think hockey as much as any, you have to be built to win in the playoffs. And I just don't yeah. know that the Avs have done enough over the course of the last year to prove that they are built for that. No, for sure. Uh, listen, I got to get out of here, Jared. Um, actually, 
I've got about two minutes. I told you guys I got to run about 5.55. It's 5.54 right now. Let's do two minutes. Okay. I came with a little fun. You guys know okay. I, I come okay. with, with, with gifts, with a fun. I have a quick game, okay? This is called surprise the, game. yeah, it's a surprise game. Now, I don't think we're going to uh, go prices right. We're just going to kind of go general trivia, and uh, we'll go, like, in order. It's not a big deal in terms of timing here, okay? So, do we have any games? Did you put it on? Oh, I don't have gone. my headphones. Yeah, so perfect. You. All right, so, this is, the topic is uh, Denver Sports Concessions. Oh. Here, we're talking okay. concession prices. Mm. Okay, of the four, obviously, major teams, who has... The cheapest hot dog. Uh, the soccer, um, the rabbit. No, no, no we're, we're just doing a football, hockey, basketball, baseball. Uh, baseball. So you'd say the Rockies. Who you have cheapest hot dog, Jared? I'm going to say football. NFL, the Broncos. Yeah. That's where I'm going to. I'm going to go Broncos. It's the Broncos. The Broncos have, I, I thought that was crazy. I'm like, the NFL to me, with such few home games and all that, it seems like they would want to raise the prices a little bit. Uh, the Nuggets with the most expensive mm. hot dog in Denver. Okay. Uh, uh, in respect to their own leagues, okay, so within their own sports, which Colorado sports team of the four majors is the most affordable game day experience? And here's how we define game day experience on the website I found this on. A ticket, parking, a, uh, uh, two beers, and a hot dog. Rockies. Rockies for Rockies. sure. Rockies for sure. Within their own sport. The Avalanche. Oh, wow. Are the, I don't believe that. They are Bullshit. the third <laughs> cheapest NHL game day experience. What are, think about what you're what getting. What are the costs for the best team other, in hockey? Because, the, right. No, that's wrong. I, 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 I completely <laughs> disagree. tickets are expensive, No, man. I completely disagree with you. I, I couldn't be more, I couldn't be more wrong. Okay, so <laughs> I love your skepticism. So let me give the uh, the source out here, just so I'm uh, saving myself. This is from TNBets.com, and this is updated as of this year. So TNBets.com, uh, the Avalanche are the third, le- and the, the 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 cheapest game day experience is the Florida Panthers, who right now is arguably the best team in the NHL besides the Avs. The second is the Calgary Flames, who are a great team, and then the Avs are third. So. NHL, you're getting good products for. No, I completely disagree. It's like ninety dollars for uppers. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't disagree anymore. Well, I mean, these are these are numbers and facts. No, producers, no, so no. The, the science has changed. <laughs> the you're science right. has you are changed. So right. Science is different these days. All right, hey, let's do a quick uh, Price is Right. Okay, let's go. Let's go in a circle. No, Price I'm is right. right. And I'm gonna I'm gonna get out on this one. Okay, Price is Right. The cost of a Budweiser. At uh, Empower Field a Mile High for a Broncos game. Bud Heavy or Bud Light? Uh, <laughs> Budweiser, just a classic Bud. Okay, all right. All right we're gonna go uh, 750. Okay. Oh my God. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go 1125. Okay. Uh, we're gonna go 1126. So Connor got it on the nose. What? 750. <laughs> season ticket. Okay. Somebody's got season ticket. <laughs> buy a lot of beer or what? Yeah, now really? they get season tickets. Okay. <laughs> Wait. And, and hey, bonus question here. Where does that rank the Broncos in the NFL for cheapest beer? Uh, uh, 14th. 16th. I'm going to say they're like 20th most expensive, so like top 10 for cheapest. Yeah. You're almost exactly right. Ninth cheapest, 21st most expensive, or whatever. That'd be 22nd, 20, 20, 20, 30, 30, whatever. Yeah. Well, math's not yeah. strong. So, so ninth uh, cheapest for the Broncos. Seven fifty. dollars like, so, You can't even go to a concert and get a beer for seven fifty. Well, they're like $16, and yeah. they're little half koozies, like but, little 6 But ounces. what I found looking at that, it's like, you know, Denver sports, you get a good deal. 
Yeah, it's, 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 keep it's, trying it's, to convince yourself that it's a great deal. You can, hey, 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 but can we all agree to boycott the Rockies even when they come back? Uh, because I heard that's that the, and I don't want to start a whole new thing. I, I got to go, but I heard the Rockies owners are one of eight who are holding things up. Now I can send you guys a tweet, maybe for a different show. Uh, yeah, I would love to see what you're what you're referring to because um, you know Montford is is uh, one of the lead guys negotiating on behalf of the mm-hmm. owners, so that might inherently be true just because he is representative of the. The way I read the tweet, and I wish I would have pulled it up and saved it, but the way I read the tweet was there are eight owners, and it only takes eight to veto. By the way, this whole thing. Mm. There's eight owners who are particularly holding this up and being <laughs> stubborn. Yeah, yeah. But, show, but they, send they, it out. They, they uh, didn't name well, ten teams, but the Rockies were on there. Hey, so. tweet, tweet us at Red Rock Sports One. Yes. Give, give us that source. We'll, we'll, we'll maybe talk about when we talk baseball. Before next you week, go, so. yes. Biggest reason the Avs will not win the Stanley Cup. Uh, their forwards don't play defense. Like I said, that's the most important thing. If they don't commit to a hockey, they're not going to get away with what they do in the regular season. It's just like the George Carl Nuggets. It's just like all these teams throughout history who have done well and failed in the, in, in the playoffs. They don't change their style. So as long as these forwards can play defense, I don't need more from Kemper. I don't need more from this defense. I think that uh, that's the reason they'll lose if they do. Good Great stuff. Great stuff. Thanks right, for joining guys. us, Tyler. We'll see you soon. Enjoy yeah. your night. Are you sure you don't want any impressions on the way out? No, no, oh, look, Christopher Walken. Get, get out of here. Get out of here. Get off my show. Or, oh, my, my, get my, off my, my show right oh, now. Oh, oh. And he's gone. And he's gone. <laughs> Thank you, Tyler. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> and, and, uh, and we appreciate Tyler joining us as always. And uh, I just, I'm skeptical, guys. I am skeptical of these ads. Nah. I just, I. No way. Yeah. I want to believe so bad. Then believe. I didn't then believe you. you what I don't. You want to know what I don't believe in? Avs tickets being affordable. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. He didn't not. say that. Whatever he said is no, wrong. He hockey. said relative to other NHL hockey teams. No, nope. meaning all that means is that other hockey teams are even more expensive yeah. than the Avs. Okay, that's perfect. Insane. Yeah, I can that's kind of insane. believe that. They're all they're all expensive. outrageous. Yep, but that's all he said. So, all I want so is my mom. Or not Ripley. My, my mom <laughs> I mean, needs to drop me off at the game, pick me up, and give me like a PB and J before and, I enter you know the, what? the arena. In in terms of baseball, the, I guarantee you that those Rockies numbers are completely inflated by certain teams that can't even fill their park at all and just have like the cheapest like two dollar tickets. You know what I mean? Sure, uh, sure. Uh, you know, I mean, you can go. I think it's the Marlins. You can go lowered like really. The Rockies can get seat. like a five dollar seat up in the yeah the, right, but. But, but there's some teams that you can get like a twenty dollar like behind the dugout seat, and Ooh. so so those like, yeah, but Rocky those tickets are everything down, and the Rockies behind the dugout is like going to run fifty bucks, going to run like seventy bucks. Mm. It is. It's I guess run it depends like on the games. Bucks. Yeah, definitely. They it do have they games. do have it premier does. games. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Anyways, and uh, by, by the way, things are progressing. Uh, we aren't going to be watching any Rockies games anytime soon. Uh, the Major League Baseball has had put a sort of self-imposed deadline to get a deal done, which was yesterday, February 28th. They extended it to today at 5 p.m. Eastern time or whatever. It doesn't matter. We're past that. That time has come. That time has gone. No deal. And in in the very brief thing that I was reading uh, from ESPN, it doesn't sound like they've gotten much closer. It sounds like they're still so far off on a lot of these points. No, but you like how they put a deadline on it, and all of a sudden they're sitting there talking late into the night last night. Sure, and and, and that's so why they, they should do just put those a deadline every every yeah. week. They but uh, <laughs> I, I did see that um, Commissioner uh, Rob Manford has publicly come out and said opening day is going to be pushed. That's not going to happen on uh, March thirty first or whatever it's supposed to be. Uh, so. 
Yeah, I mean, we're getting to that point. Obviously, the season is going to be impacted. The regular season, whether it's shortened by any capacity because of these delays or if they just have to scramble to fit in 162 games, which is hard enough in a summer anyways. But I'm starting to feel like what I'm seeing here is a situation where these two sides are so far off they don't get just how bad this is about to be. And ultimately, I think what's going to happen is the players are going to cave. That's what typically happens in, in these agreements because these players just realize just how badly they're impacted by it. But I want to compare this. Uh, we, we talked about this a little bit last week, and I didn't get to kind of direct the topic this way. But I want to compare this to what happened to the NHL. 2004-2005, their entire season was missed because of a lockout due to them not being able to agree on a collective bargaining agreement. And personally speaking, I was a huge hockey fan. I watched almost every game leading up to that. Then an entire season was missed. Uh, you start watching other things, basketball, other sports are going on, whatever. I never got back. I never came back. Do we think the same? And, and I speak for a lot of people. I think a lot of listeners out there are the same way. They were they were young. They were teenagers. They were kids. They were maybe in their 30s or 40s at that time. But a lot of people didn't come back to hockey. And I just feel like we're going to see the same thing with baseball, that if you start canceling games and you delay things, all sorts of things, especially if any significant portion of the season is missed, I think you can just kiss a lot of fans goodbye. I don't care what changes they bring in. I think this is going to be so detrimental to baseball. I know, Connor, you're a big fan. You follow baseball a lot more than, than I do. What do you think? How, do you think this is going to be a major impact for baseball and their viewers? Uh, yeah, I mean, as I said la- as I said last week on our show, it's, it's a really bad look for a game that's already struggling to retain and build momentum on young b- viewership especially and it's a really bad look at a just really bad time and, and it's typical baseball fashion i mean uh they they continue to shoot themselves in the foot and i i what can you say it's 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 definitely a bad look for baseball that absolutely is a real thing that could happen um you know i think i think actually that's probably the levers that the players actually have on on the owner. I mean, if they have any leverage at all, right? Because it's really the owners that have much more leverage, generally speaking, in these types of situations. It's a, you know, it's a lockout, meaning the owners are closing the doors down saying that, you know, you're not going to get your paycheck because these these rich owners are going to be okay. I mean, at the end of the day, they're going to be all right, right? A lot, but how many players absolutely need that game check and we're not even talking about the you know the the 200 million dollar contracts and stuff but how many baseball players in the minor league system or or you know on on rookie deals and you know opening into free agency right now it are going to lose a game check and it's going to affect them significantly but that is one of the levers if you will that the players can actually use on the owners right now is that hey this is not a good look for your league you are already struggling to retain viewership and, and grow your fan base. And this is not going to do anything to help that. In fact, it is almost certain to, to hurt it. So really, really bad look by baseball, really bad timing. And, uh, you know, I, I just hope that they can figure it out. I, I know a lot of baseball fans out there are, are excited to actually start talking some baseball rather than collective bargaining agreements. So, I, you know, I really hope that at some point in the, in the not too distant future, we can actually start talking about baseball again rather than the CBA. What's your gut tell you? Does your gut tell you that this is a deal gets done anytime soon? 
I think it's no. going to get done, but no. but but I but I could see this. I could see yeah, this. It's just lingering. wishful thinking. Yeah, I, I know. I'm just really hoping. I mean, I, yeah, Nick, Nick's hoping. See, but that the problem is though, I need baseball in in April and May. It's the baseball going into October that yes, I can do with. I actually agree. Ooh. You know, well said. I actually Ooh. get excited. No, don't get me wrong. Playoff baseball is great, but like if the playoffs were like August into September, yeah. maybe like. The last, you know, the World Series football is like just early so dominant. Yeah, football see? is just so dominant, and and as soon as you get into those points, and the Rockies, generally speaking, are almost always out of it by July, end of early August, and so it's just, uh, you know, it just now. Uh, in terms of of people suggesting that maybe you shorten the the baseball season, I know I might be in a slight minority extend situation. No, no, two hundred no. <laughs> games. Uh, no, no extending either. So here, here's here's what gets really tricky about shortening a baseball season. Money. Okay? Uh, well, yes, to them, but from a from a fan perspective, from a from someone like us who who watch baseball, who appreciate baseball, um, you know, like my, I guess I speak for myself here. It. It is tricky to shorten the season because baseball is one of the, if not the only sport that you can really date back season long records uh, back hundred plus years and have it at least relatively comparable. I mean, there's different eras that you kind of have to compare together, but it's unlike, uh, I mean, you know, it's. Uh, there has been too many changes, for instance, in how the game of football is played. That's why I really compare like a quarterback's numbers right now. We've talked about this before. So, compared so I to guess, like 50 years ago. Uh, yeah, but they, that's why baseball is dying, though, is because they don't make the changes that yeah, are required to make. They don't I, modernize I know, it's, the it's game. It's a bit of a catch-22. I, I admit. I admit it. And I do. I am willing. Hey, I am not one of those that is so much of a quote-unquote baseball purist that I am not willing to make some substantial changes to the game. I am. I am. There are certain things that I think make absolutely no sense. Like, why are we still having a subjective umpire behind home plate call balls and strikes? Makes absolutely no sense to me. Um, You know, I would also be down for something like instead of having games carry into like 15 innings, like do something fun to end the game after 10 innings. You know what sudden I mean? Sudden death. Right, right. Well, it is sudden death, but but no, I mean, like, I knew, I knew what you, you were just talking about what you liked that earlier. <laughs> yeah. so, so, I, so, I, I mean, like, you know, do something like, uh, so I know they introduced kind of like the California rule, right? Where they put a player on second base, um, you know, during that COVID season, just kind of experimenting around with things. But like, okay, hear me out. And baseball purists out there are going to hate me for oh, this. I'm, I'm They're going to hate this. me. I'm liking it. But, how fun would it be if the game is tied after nine innings and you do some sort of like real quick three players, five pitch home run derby? Well, that, I love it. That would be all right. But like, why not short? And I know they've already done it, but why not make it to where the pitcher has to pitch in like, I don't know, 15, 20 seconds for, upon receiving the ball. Why that like little things like well, that? And then they're ready doing stuff like that. I know and they are. But what so I'm saying, saying is keep reducing that. Time. Pe- keep more rolling pe- it back. More people would be into baseball if it wasn't well, five and hours. They do have if it was a two and a half hour game. I, I, I would watch more games. Well, it's fair enough. And, and they do have those. They actually don't enforce them that much. Which is what's kind of interesting. Uh, so I don't know if, if any of you guys go to out there, go to Rockies games or whatever. You can see that pitch clock yeah. winding down, and it hits zero a lot, and nothing happens. There's really no enforcement of that rule. <laughs> um, so I, I guess if you just started kind of enforcing that a little bit more, that might might make a difference. You say if the game was what two and a half hours, you would prefer it more than but yeah, because it's not. If the games were four hours long, but there was. 20 games or 50 games or even 80 games you wouldn't hear a peep out of me but when there's 162 four to five hour games tuesdays thursdays and i want to say fridays and sometimes saturdays i struggle with that 
See, and here's my thing with it is it's less even about the time, like because like even like I'll use soccer. I'm not a big soccer fan. I don't watch a lot of soccer. But you watch the last 15 minutes of a soccer oh, it's match. Incredible. It's incredible. It's not always that way in baseball. I feel like half the time in baseball, if you miss the first half, you know, first the top half of the first inning, you missed everything. The game is over. There, they're up four nothing, and then you're watching a dud for the next three but, hours. Okay, but let me counter in a way. That makes it a little bit more exciting in in some way, in some regard. No, because I always like, show up to the game ten minutes late, and then the game's just over. <laughs> but but it's not that way in a lot of games. It just could be. It just could be on any particular games. games. Okay, most but but unlike uh, so I know this is one of your criticisms of the NBA. Now I obviously love the NBA too, and I I will watch full NBA games, and so I have no problem with this. But I know that some people have the I know you're a little bit like this, Jared. Have the opinion that. Why even watch really the first three quarters of a basketball game? I mean, really, it's the fourth quarter that is where, where the excitement comes. And so I would counter by saying, hey, at least baseball gives you that, right? It could be it any pitch. Forces it forces me to have any... to watch the whole game. <laughs> yeah, this is not helping your, your, cal- you your know. case at all. Hey. Hey, you know what? I'm not trying to. I am not trying to convert anybody out there into into loving baseball. Though those who love it love it, and those who don't don't. But at the end of the day, this collective bargaining agreement and canceling going into the season. The longer it goes on, the more detrimental it's going to be for baseball. So it, it's going to be a story. We're going to follow it as it keeps going, and hopefully, it comes to a conclusion. Soon. Okay, I'm going to hold you to this, Connor. What is the date that the first base regular season baseball game is played in 2022? What date? Uh, March 28th. That's actually before the regular season was supposed to start. Wait, what, do you, what What was your question? The, the first game of the regular season in baseball. Oh, I think he got confused and asked when they would start up yeah. activities. When, do, when is the first, when when is the first, first game? Oh. First pitch. Uh, opening a, pitch April for the... April 4th? No, no. You, when, when do you think? But when do you, do you think it's going to be? Do you think it's going to be April 4th? Oh, no. Or do you think no, it's no, going to no. be... So if you were to put an uh, over-under so, on yeah, when no, it actually happens. Uh, I, 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 you know what? I don't know. It, it, this is a, uh, I don't like these hypothetical exercises when I am not privy to these conversations. Hate them. So, so it's just kind of a I'm going to say, I'm going to put it on April 20th, and I'm going to take the under April 20th. They will have a yeah, game they'll be playing by before May. April 20th. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Uh, I, you I don't like I'm, hypotheticals, I'm hopeful, I'm hopeful, hopeful, and optimist. I'm just hopeful. That's all it is. It, it's blind hope, okay? It's like blind faith. All right, I have no reason to believe, but I do. I, I hope that it comes in before. I have no proof May. to say anything, but it, I just believe that I, I it will happen. So. Exactly. So there you go. Power of positivity. That's right. Guys. Uh-huh. Uh, we'll obviously keep an eye on that as things come up. If there's anything worth mentioning over the next couple of weeks uh, amongst these discussions, hopefully things are developing and we can have something to talk about on our show week after week. But uh, we'll see. We'll see, guys. Uh, moving on to uh, another guy that there's some debate on when he'll be ready to play uh, over the weekend. Uh, I don't even know his whole name. Woj, the 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 uh, reporter Wojkowski or whatever for uh, ESPN uh, reported Wojowski. Sunday uh, the twenty seventh, so February twenty seventh, uh, came out saying that uh, Michael Porter Jr.'s agent has stated that he will be cleared medically and is expected to return to the lineup before the end of March. Nice. I got nervous, and then. Within 24 hours, in a press conference, Michael Malone came out and said, don't know where that's coming from. Definitely did not come from anyone within the Nuggets organization. So a little bit of back and forth on whether or not – I think this probably, in my mind, ties back to what we've heard from uh, Nuggets management and and coaching staff that – 
These guys are going to play when they're ready, when when so, they feel they're ready. So can I just can I add yes, something? Please. So there's actually been some breaking news today that you might not be aware of. I uh, am not aware. <laughs> so Harrison Wind, uh, who is a you know Nuggets reporter with connections to the Nuggets, uh, is now reporting that the Nuggets have made it aware that that they are planning to send him to the G League affiliate next week f- to get scrimmages in to start scrimmaging. So so the news was true. It so was Michael true. Malone was on the outside looking in on this. Uh, you know what? And this is what I. I was going to say even before this news broke is you can completely understand the frustration and where Michael Malone was coming from because this is dad not uh, being told that mom already no 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 no. he knew no see he knew right I have every reason to believe that Michael Malone knew this he just didn't appreciate the news being broken by an agent Right. He didn't want he doesn't like that, that the Nuggets were not in control of the narrative in any way shape or form and so I think he I think that uh, that retort back from Michael Malone was more or less just a little bit of frustration that, hey, this didn't come from the Nuggets. Like, why, why do we have players' agents breaking this kind of news? And then you look at it from the agent's perspective, and there are absolute reasons why the agent would want to be up at front and, and blasting to the world that Michael Porter Jr. is healthy and going to be back in the lineup because uh, I, I think there's actually stipulations in Michael Porter Jr.'s contract that can give him more money if he plays this year too. So Always about um, the money. Right. So I, I think that there's, there's what we saw is a little bit of gamesmanship from the agent side of things and Michael Malone coming back saying, hey, don't believe reports that aren't coming from us because, you know, th- I think it was more just frustration more than anything. But... It does look like he is going to the G League affiliate to to play some uh, scrimmage. And, and so you said next week is when he's expected to do that, or is it not a clear like time? The end of this oh, week. I'm sorry, it's this week. Yeah, okay, end of, end of this I'm week. I'm sorry, wow. I misspoke. So it's this week, end of this week. And again, again, again yeah, we're three one. We're <laughs> recording March first, so yeah, we're talking that first week of March. Are you guys surprised not only in that timeline and how quickly it's turned out, but the fact that this is all happening kind of well before we've really heard any clear idea of when Jamal Murray is coming back? Uh, no, you know, I, I guess a little bit. There's a part of me that was because, um, you know, I mean, if you rewind this back to when Michael Porter Jr. was getting, you know, getting his back surgery, then yeah, there was there was at that point there was much less of a clear timetable for Michael Porter Jr. because backs are you know his kind of back injury was kind of like well he's going to come back when he stops feeling pain you know what I mean it's it's much less of a a, a timetable whereas at that time you're looking at an ACL injury and saying it's a it's potentially a much more serious injury but at the very least. You kind of have a. You can look at a lot of players that have had ACL surgeries, and it's almost always in between that eight to thirteen month window, right? Um, but no, I mean, in that respect, looking back on it, yes. But as as we stand right now, I'm not all that surprised because you know, like I said, Michael uh, uh, Jamal Murray's knee injury is a more significant injury. I mean, he he tore a ligament, right? So uh, he had reconstructive surgery to get back to health, whereas Michael Porter just had like a, a, more of a cleanup type of procedure to, to get pain uh, reduced. So I don't know. I, I still expect Jamal Murray to come back before the end of this season. I think that they're... You know, there's there's too much smoke, right? Where there's smoke, there's fire, and there's too much smoke coming from the Nuggets locker room and people in the Nuggets organization that seem to be optimistic. Heck, Tim Connolly himself a couple weeks ago threw out Jamal Murray by name, saying that he's going to be you know cleared in the not too distant future, 
you know, pretty much implying that he's going to be medically cleared by the time the season's over. Uh, so I think there's there's a reason to be optimistic for the Nuggets as a whole right now, and that Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. might be coming back. So I w- sometimes in moments like this, this is where I wish I wasn't just so instinctively a pessimist, where I'm just like thinking of all the worst case. Yeah, because you're anti you're anti comeback guy. I I, I just I'm so afraid, but like honestly, like there's then that like other like much smaller like the 30 percent of me that's just like oh my god like it's all coming together this is like a mastermind put it all together for them to get healthy just as you go into a playoff where they have a very legitimate legitimate chance of competing very highly in at least the western conference potentially getting themselves into a championship uh, discussion so it's like man you're, you're i'm so on the fence where like my gut tells me like uh young guys man you got a, a, a bright future let's not force the situation are they forcing it because we know the timeline we know he needs to get on the court now in order to be playing in the playoffs i know it's so easy to say oh no we're letting him decide how his body feels but everyone gets that pressure in their head and he knows in his mind michael porter jr and jamal murray know if they're going to be good to go early to mid-april they need to get on the court now and and i just I can't help but feel like this is a forced situation that we ultimately may regret. I disagree. Uh, currently today, as of March 1st, this is their, I want to say their 62nd game. Let me see. Yeah, this is game 62 of 82 this year. There's 20 more games in the season. Go to the G League. Give them a couple games. The real question is, is he going to start or is he going to come off the bench? He's going to play at $170 million. You paid the guy to play. He's obviously going to come play. How many minutes do you give the guy? And, and what sort of impact does he have? Jeff Green's been playing out of his mind. How does this affect he, Jeff Green if he comes back? Jeff Green's been playing good, and he's he's uh, Jeff Green's getting about 20 minutes a game right now. Yeah, as he's stands. playing really good for Jeff Green. And he is. He's doing he's doing solid. That is a good question. Like, that is the million-dollar question. Will Michael, Michael Porter Jr. be coming off the bench for the Nuggets this year or a starter? No, he's starting. I, you know what? I, I tend to agree with you. But I've actually seen some really good arguments on both sides of it uh, that you don't want to rock the boat too much. Um, and so I, I, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I would tend to lean towards he's going to be a starter, uh, at least when the playoffs roll around. Even if that means he's not, you know, I don't expect him to play 35, 40 minutes. Right. Like he's he not may gonna, get backup minutes, but he's going to be on the court yeah, at the start. I mean, of the I'm, game. I'm still expecting between 20 to 30 minutes. So I'm not, I'm not expect. I'm actually not expecting when playoffs roll around that he's going to be on this like severe minutes restriction. Uh, but, but I do expect him to start. Uh, reason being is, I, I think his game works really well with Nikola Jokic in, in terms of it, being a pure shooter. It really, really helps the spacing. I mean, just the gravity that Michael Porter Jr. has. And I know that's a buzzword among NBA circles, the gravity that he brings. But it, but it's it's true. I mean, when Michael Porter Jr. is out there on the court, he inherently sucks some energy of the defense towards his way. They know that this man is not afraid to jack up any shot at any time. So they, they, they're not going to be able to just crash these passing lanes. I think it really helps this starting unit on offense. Yeah, but he also inherently sucks the capability of the Denver Nuggets to play defense on a bad back. So how much of that are you willing to give up it is for true. a team that has roles clearly defined? It is true. I I mean, we saw a little bit of that in the playoffs last year, obviously. With a, lot, a lot of it, but go okay. on. Yeah, we we saw it. that against the Phoenix Suns where they they kept putting Jokic and Michael Porter into pick and roll situations. My one counter to that would be I do believe that Nikola Jokic has been a significantly better defender and a hedge a significantly better hedger on those pick and roll screens this year than he was last year. 
and, and Nick's giving a little eye roll right now. I know he, he he doesn't like what I'm saying, but 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 it appears to be true. I mean, Nikola Jokic is playing better defense this year than he ever did last year, and I, so so that would be my one pushback. I th- I think that he might be able to handle it, and you know what? It's a fair point to be made. Coming off back surgery. Is is Michael Porter Jr. going to still be taking those strides that we saw? But you know what? Say what you want about the man. Early this season, I know it was a short sample size, but he appeared to be taking some better strides in that defensive game as well. Uh, but it's it's really fair to point out that how is that back surgery going to affect his lateral movement and ability to defend the pick and roll? Yeah, I hate so. I hate judging his actual play based off of his stats, but the back is definitely a cause for concern. And if we want to counter sort of balance Jared's point and our point of wanting him to play. There has to be some sort of middle ground of keeping him light, keeping him fresh and, and also getting him action. So, and and hear me. Out. I, I don't think I do not just for the record. I do not think this is what's going to happen. Okay. But there is the idea out there. How? I mean, okay. The Nuggets starters have been great this year. Right, I mean, they have. They've been really good. They've been they've been a you know top five unit in terms of just five player units in the league. How? dangerous could this Nuggets team be with a playoff rotation that has Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. coming off the bench. Whoa. Get out of Whoa. town. Whoa. <laughs> I know. He's talking crazy. All, all you're doing, though, he's you're, out of you're just... You're just uh, you, hey, I don't think this is going to happen. But, yeah, your starting but rotation some, is just arguably not a playoff caliber starting rotation then. You know what I mean? Like, or a championship caliber starting rotation if those two are coming off your bench. I think ideally in my are world, I'm, I'm not necessarily... Obviously, I don't know in regards to what the plan is, but Porter Jr. makes the most sense to come off the bench with kind of the situation that he's in i don't know what his agent wants or can he handle that mentally can he handle that mentally um i i don't know but it seems like that would make the most sense to appease both the injury status and and giving him the ability to put up the sometimes ridiculous shots that he puts up the poor shot selection things like that i I could see that i think my my official on record prediction is going to be that the starting lineup in the playoffs will be jamal murray will barton Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic. And then I think on the bench, you're going to have Monte Morris, obviously his backup point guard. And then you're going to have one of either Bryn Forbes or Austin Rivers, depending on kind of the situation and the matchup. You're going to have one of those two. And then you're going to have Jeff Green as your third bench player. And I think, because, especially because... Um, well, I guess it doesn't matter anyway. I think that you might actually see a ninth rotation player in Boogie Cousins, who sure. I who I think is going to get about like an eight minute a game type of type Perfect. of thing in the playoffs. That that would be my prediction on on record. Speaking so. of of Boogie, are we all ready to like get on board with the idea that like the Nuggets probably aren't going to lose another game now that they've signed him? Right, like they're just going to go on unfe- undefeated. Just the rest literally of the year, undefeated. Right? <laughs> Ten and zero since they got him. Right, I'm just saying. Start of the week. Start of the week. Start of the week. Start of the week. Producer Nick hit me with the stat of the week. Let's go. Well, we are hey. getting up against our time here, so we kind of had to force it in at some point here, Connor. <laughs> hey, the Nuggets bench has been fantastic recently. Now, in an area that that we, you know, all season we're saying, hey, this is the Nuggets are losing games because the bench cannot hang. Look at their month in February. The Nuggets bench in the month of February scored 47 points per game, which is good for fifth in the NBA for bench points. 47 points per game is fifth in the NBA for bench points. Uh, they 
Well, actually, I got I got one more for you. Uh, Boogie Cousins is obviously a part of that. He's not all of that. Bryn Forbes is another big piece of that, too. Um, but you mentioned Boogie Cousins, so I have a couple things for Boogie, too. Boogie Cousins, in his 10 games with the Nuggets, is grabbing 4.7 defensive rebounds in just 13.6 minutes per game since arriving to Denver. That would rank fourth in the NBA in defensive rebounds per 100 possessions behind Rudy Gobert, Nikola Jokic, and Andre Drummond. So he is rebounding at a very high level, and this bench is really, really playing well right now, guys. I mean, uh, Bryn Forbes and and Boogie Cousins on the floor together has been a revelation. It's been fantastic. Uh, I I have I'm running out of superlatives for this bench. I am so happy with how this bench has played, uh, and and it's a big reason the Nuggets have won six in a row, eight of their last nine, and they're they're in a really good place right now. They're tied for fifth in the West. Um, so what I'm hearing, if I'm understanding you correctly, is the Nuggets are better off if Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray don't come back. <laughs> no, they're no. so much better. No, I'm not saying oh, that at all. Okay, okay. No, I'm not saying no, that. No, I, I, I'm glad, though, that you do point out the bench because that's kind of been the... Uh, you know the the whipping boy, you know, so to speak, for for the Nuggets this whole season is how much Nikola Jokic has carried this team, and so it, it is. It's a very positive, encouraging sign to see as the Nuggets are coming down the stretch. It seems like they're all kind of finding their footing within their team, and everyone's establishing and understanding their role. I'm very optimistic about this, and again, my pessimism aside, these guys stay healthy. We can get Porter Jr. And Jamal Murray back and be healthy? No, it's going to be fantastic. Man. Because, because then, like I, said, like I said, your bench then, because it, it obviously shortens during during the, the playoffs. And so, I mean, that's a fantastic bench right there. Monte, Monte Morris, Bryn Forbes, and, and uh, Uncle Jeff. I mean, come on. Uncle Jeff. That's fantastic. I got, I got one more thing for you here on the, on the Nuggets, then I know we got to move on. One of the reasons the Nuggets are able to stay afloat right now, they are 23-6. and six against sub-500 teams. The only team in the NBA that has a better record against sub-500 teams is the Warriors at 23-5. and five. So the Nuggets are 23-6. and six. The Warriors are 23-5 and five against sub-500 teams. I take that as a very good sign that they're able to take care of business when they're supposed to. And, and it's one of the big reasons they're able to stay afloat right now. So nothing but optimism for the Nuggets. Let's go. We are looking forward to this I last know. month. I'm starting to get swept up in it, guys. Both the Nuggets and starting the Starting a little sweaty? I am. I am always sweaty. Don't worry about that. <laughs> but I am starting to get excited. I can't help it. I, I try. I try to keep a level head, but... Things are looking good. It's just fun to have good teams again. I mean, it's been a couple years since like any and this is so pathetic to say, like, I'm so spoiled as a Denver fan that like it's been five years since anyone's won a championship. Like, <laughs> this is ridiculous. But at the same I hate time, it here. I know, right? So excitement all around for, for all the winter sports uh, as we transition to the playoffs. I think there's a lot of optimism. Uh, I want to just touch real quick, guys. I know it's about time to get out of here, but I, I had something that I think is very relevant this week that I want to just hit real quick, a quick segment related to the NFL draft, okay? We are Ooh. just about two months out. The NFL draft is the last weekend of April, and I just want to kind of touch on things. We're getting ready to go into the NFL combine, and I'm a big uh, fan of kind of the following the draft process and the scouting and all that. And one of the things I find the most entertaining is how drastically people's evaluations and the kind <laughs> yeah. of what what the vibe yeah. is out there in the media on players and, and position groups changes, how drastic it changes from early February, middle of February to the end of April when the draft happens. Okay. So what I have here is 
uh, six different, uh, mostly they're over-unders, uh, based on kind of, honestly, they're all completely arbitrary and I completely made them up, but I think they're fairly accurate. Okay. But I'm going to reference along the way, uh, Daniel Jeremiah, who's with NFL Network, came out with a... Uh, his new rankings is 2.0 top 50 rankings. Uh, that came out yesterday, the 28th. Mike Renner with PFF, Pro Football Focus, also came out with his top 150 uh, yesterday. So I'm going to reference those as kind of the points to it. And I think you guys will follow it along the way as we go. Okay. So first question we're going to go to. How many, and, and the way it'll be, I'll, I'll read the question. Perfect. I'll tell you my over under, and then I'll tell you how much DJ and PFF have where in that category. Okay. So cool. first, one we'll start with how many quarterbacks will be drafted in the first round my over under is set at three and a half daniel jeremiah has two quarterbacks in his top 50 rankings pro football focus has five oh, quarterbacks wow. in the top 50 rankings uh, neither of which has a guy above number 20 by the way how many quarterbacks connor will be drafted in the first round over under three and a half i'm gonna go under three and a half under Okay. Go under. What about you, Soaps? You I'm got. A, I too am going to go under. I just think, um, just kind of, kind of the way that, just the vibe of, of the draft and ha- what you've been hearing about the prospects coming out. It just doesn't seem like there's. We're, we're talking. We're talking under three. I will always buy the over every single time <laughs> when it comes to quarterbacks because this is the one more than any other group that as soon as these guys see the the pro days and how they handle the interviews hand and all these size. things, the hand size, you know. Um, I, I will say this probably more than most classes over the last five years is not a good quarterback class. I still believe these guys get elevated. I think you see four quarterbacks go in the first round, okay? Uh, next one up. What pick will the first quarterback be, okay? Broncos sit at 10, so I thought an appropriate number was nine and a half. Will there be a quarterback drafted before the Broncos, or will they be sitting there at pick 10 with the first one at their doorstep to pick whatever quarterback they want? Again, sorry, go ahead. No, sorry. Again. Uh, so Daniel Jeremiah's top-ranked quarterback, number 28, Kenny Pickett. Uh, pro Football Focus top-ranked quarterback, number 20, Sam Howell. Oh, I'm going to say under. under. I'm going to go with under nine and a half. I think, I think there's some, some team will go get their guy that is, that is quarterback thirsty enough, and, and they'll, go, they'll go get him. So I'm going to say under. I'm gonna go under. Wow, two times we agree. Here are the list of uh, teams ahead of the Broncos. Detroit, Houston, assuming the Deshaun Watson thing. Carolina, maybe Atlanta. I know that Matt Ryan's kind of oh, iffy, yeah. but uh, I definitely think under, for sure. Yeah, I, I'm there with you guys. I think uh, maybe that number was even too high, but wow. when I see guys... agreement going when I see, on. I when this. I see guys I rank the, the top guys, and this is like unanimous, all the, the, the draft scouts out there... They're all putting these guys in like the 20s, 30s, barely even getting them first round grades. So it's interesting. I think that's the one you'll see when these guys come out with their last, uh, you know, top 50 ranking. I guarantee you they have guys up into the top 10. I promise it'll happen every year. It does. Okay. Next one, a, a pretty popular pick in the first round the last few years. Wide receivers, okay? Daniel Jeremiah has six wide receivers in his top 50 rankings. Pro Football Focus has seven. By the way, all of those guys for both uh, Daniel Jeremiah and Pro Football Focus are within the top like 35 to 40. So they're right there in that first round range. I'm going to set the over-under for wide receivers drafted at four and a half. In the first round? In the first round. Whoa. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. Under. 
Okay, Soaps is going God, under. Why do we have to agree? I know, this sucks. Uh, I'm going to go under two. That, that's also where I'm going. Are you, are you going to go over on that, Jamie? I am going to go over, and here's why. It is not a great draft class around, okay? So people are going to see the talent. They're going to see all the success that these young receivers are having, these first-round wide receivers in the Justin Jeffersons, the Jamar Chases, and I think people are going to reach for these receivers. They're going to try to fit them into that mold. So I am going to say over on that one. All right, next one up. We're going to get a couple of... Uh, uh, actually, this one's going to be specific to the Broncos. Two in a row, specific to the Broncos, okay? Will the Broncos... This is not over-under. This is a either-or, okay? Will the Broncos draft an offensive player or a defensive player in the first round? Over. <laughs> oh. Both, huh? Sorry, You're I wasn't both. paying attention. You can say <laughs> both. I will give you that. Uh, I am going to say they are going to draft... You know what? Wow, what a, what a spicy... I'm going to go both. I'm going to go both. Okay. Yeah. Connor's going both. Yeah, I'm going to go both. They're going to trade back, and they're going to go both. Okay. Bold pick. I think the Broncos... They are, have two first-round picks, don't they? No. They have one. Oh, well, they're going to trade back. And then double up. And then they have gonna, a lot <laughs> of picks. They have a lot of picks. Yeah, they're, they they're, definitely move. They're, they're going to they're gonna move into the first round twice, and they're going to get both. Well, after the Broncos trade for Aaron Rodgers, I don't think they'll have a first-round draft pick, so oh. I think that's what I'm going with. So you're going to go neither. I'm going to go neither. Ooh. Okay. Neither. Uh, wow. I'm going to just go like Spicy. traditional in the, in the intent of the question, and I'm going to say they're going to take a defensive player. Okay. Now the next one is kind of plays off of that. What position is that going to be? Now you guys, you kind of just blew it, but we have questionably the greatest quarterback in the league in my situation. So okay. I'm comfortable with. So what position will their first first pick of your two? Let's do that. Uh, I'm going to go offensive line tackle. Oh, I'm going to go tackle. Okay. We're even okay. just going to give you O line. O line. Okay. I am going to say an edge rusher okay edge. because they need it they need it we've seen that the last few years ever since von miller was gone this year you know they're, they're lacking that depth there and it's a very good edge rusher class there there's predicted to be a lot of edge rushers going in the first down and and soaps you're just sticking with it you're gonna say they're taking nothing i'm all in okay okay all right two more here uh how many players from the University of Alabama will be drafted in the first round? This is kind of a surprising one to me because typically there are so many guys. As of right now, Daniel Jeremiah only has three Alabama players ranked in his top 50. Pro Football Focus only has two. So I set that over under at two and a half. Alabama players drafted in the first round. Four. So you're going over. Okay. I'm going to go over too. Wow, you guys suck at this. I know, I know. Maybe I suck at this. I just set bad <laughs> over-unders. Uh, I'm actually going to go on the under, and I have the uh, you know the luxury of having looked now, through these lists. Now, are you just being lists. contrarian over here? Or? No, I actually looked at this list, and and they have that tackle, uh, Evan Neal, I think. He's that his huge name. guy, right? He's, he's, he's definitely going to go first round. After that, it's that wide receiver that's coming off of the, the knee injury, and so there's a lot of other wide receivers out there. I could see him maybe sliding out, so I, I'm going to say that's about it. He's maybe the second guy, and then I think I'm sure there's some defensive edge rushers, linebackers, something, I don't know, Alabama. Maybe like three or four. Up. So, yeah, probably. So I am going to say under on that one, okay? Last one. This one's a little tougher, so I'm going to give you guys a little bit more, okay? Uh, how many players from Colorado schools okay any college in Colorado primarily we're talking CSU and CU okay that's the only guys I'm aware of that have draft eligible guys I'm going to help you guys out a little of this I know you guys don't follow college football a ton 
I'm going to give you the names I believe are draft eligible guys. Okay. Uh, the over under right now, by the way, is set at one and a half. Okay. Neither guy in the first round. Uh, no. Period. No, no, drafted. no. Just drafted. I was going to say under. Um, so <laughs> hard no, under. Neither, <laughs> neither Daniel Jeremiah or Pro Football Focus had a guy from Colorado in their top 50. Okay. Uh, CSU tight end Trey McBride is a lock. He will get drafted. Well, isn't he the top rated tight end? He's in the one of them. I know he's up there, uh, but he fell just outside of the top 50 for both guys. Daniel Jeremiah does like just missed the cut. He was on that. So and we're then looking at like a third, pro football focus. Fourth. I think had him like 58 or something like that. Uh, there's two guys. That's the only guy I could find from CSU that anyone's talking about potentially getting drafted. There are two players from CU that are like, fringe they did make um you know the the all-star games and things like that they got invited to do that uh both guys are linebackers uh inside linebacker nate landman who has been invited to the combine uh outside linebacker carson wells he's kind of an edge rusher type uh versatile guy he did not get invited to the combine but he was a standout star at the east west shrine game um, so those are like the two kind of fringe guys for CU. So I'm going to put it at over under one and a half. Something tells me we're all going to agree on this one. I am going to go under. I will go over. Ooh. But I do believe that tight end is definitely getting drafted. And I bet somebody takes a seventh round flyer on. I, b- I bet you. I probably bet the you. Broncos yeah, probably the Broncos. Yeah. I bet at least one of those guys, maybe even both of them get invited to a camp yeah. and and and. I would even predict one of them gets signed as an unrestricted free agent, uh, you know, undrafted. I'm sorry, as an undrafted free agent. But I'm going to go under. I'm going to go one. Okay, I'm also going to go under. I'm going to say just that tight end, that Trey McBride. And honestly, again, I have a little more inside information than the two you guys do because I'm a huge CU Bus fan. I followed them. Nate Landman absolutely would have been drafted had he not had the t- seasons he had the last two years. He's a talented player. He's on the field. He's great. But dude had a Achilles torn Achilles two years ago. Ooh. This last year, his season ended short because of a knee injury, stuff like that. The injuries start to pile up, and teams stay away from me. They don't take a flyer on a, so a fourth or so fifth he's round played guy. Thompson. Yeah, he's kind of in that. Uh, not maybe not that talented <laughs> okay. though. I'm just okay. gonna throw that out there. I'm so. just saying knee Achilles. You know. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. F- he's falling. Ap- Actually, he's a lot like me. You know, he's <laughs> in his 20s, just falling apart. Yeah. Falling apart. You think to he's get up. 50 years old. <laughs> Creaky knees. <laughs> Creaky. Okay, I am going to revisit this the week of draft week, probably after the draft. We're probably just gonna let the draft come and go, and then we're gonna look back and see how good you guys predicted this. Maybe there's a future for the two of you as NFL draft scouts. Todd, Todd, Todd. Because then you can now move into like being a GM. You know, that's a thing. You guys yeah. ever want, Connie? I know you want to be a GM. No, I tell you, I'm the director of conceptual ideas. Yeah. yeah, and that's working well for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. Be sure to check us out every week and find us on Twitter at Red Rock Sports One. For Connor and Nick, I'm Jared. This is Red Rock Sports.